Welcome back, Hop Nation. This is episode 148 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam. With me is Steve, as always, although he is a bit out of his element right now because he has no soundboard in front of him. He has no knobs. He has no dials. He's a bit lost. But Steve, are you well? Uh, I may not have a soundboard in front of me, but I have definitely found a bunch of other toys to play with, <laughs> Yes, as you, you can have. see from my video screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, since we are dealing with our social distancing, our staying at home policy and all that stuff, we are all in our separate layers. We're all in our bat caves trying to do this as best as we can. Yay. Hurrah. <laughs> yes. Yes, but uh, I'm here, Steve's here, and of course we are able to get our special guest. It is that time of year. Jason Sircone is on the show yet again for the WrestleMania <laughs> special. <laughs> uh, shit. Oh, man, yeah. Glad, like I glad said, I got toys. The, the fact that I've been hating wrestling more and more each week, I wonder if that's ever going to hinder my ability to appear on your guys' show because I only get to be brought on when there's a major wrestling show. And I'm telling you, wrestling is terrible. So yeah. we, can always, we can always run with that angle as well of just why it's so I, terrible. Oh, I think we probably will in segment two. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not discount it, that at all it honestly is, it, it is it, rough <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the empty arenas in my opinion i mean that's not helping but i've got other thoughts on, on why i'm just hating wrestling these days and we can yeah. certainly get into that and unfortunately we don't really have much of a beer theme right now uh we didn't we aren't able to really coordinate that but we, we got did beers. we had one before we, we did yes stay home and then everything went to hell yeah but uh, we do have some beers in front of us. So, uh, Steve, what are you drinking on this episode? Uh, so I've actually got something that is a little controversial as of right now recording. Oh? Yes. Uh, I know I where went, you're going. I, uh, I, I wound up going to Grist's house. <laughs> not the, <laughs> uh, not the, the, the Millville location. I went to Collier. Where there are no lines. Yeah, where there are no people. <laughs> Just well, definitely. I guess I mean, you, you've already broached the subject, and as we're sitting and recording, that was that ha happened today. I have to think they just weren't anticipating they were going to have that kind of a turnout for a seltzer. That's my guess. Yeah, that's my guess too. Like, because they've done other things to like keep the distancing, uh, like keep it kind of normal. Is like as far as like right doing things outside. Mm -hmm is sanitizing a whole bunch of stuff they like mm -hmm. when i went to collier the guy that was serving me had gloves on he was sanitizing the screen like they're ta they're taking good steps it's just so many jackasses showed up for a seltzer and then <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and were, were all the seltzers was that something where you had to order ahead online and then pick it up or was it a just a free can release like that, in normal it, times that's where the controversies come from is apparently they don't have any sort of online setup in place and, and people showed up and again i just i don't think they were expecting that kind of hype for a seltzer which i mean 
I would assume it's for again. I hate seltzers, so I, this this has been noted on my show and on probably many other videos. So I just I wouldn't care either way. But I'm sure if they're doing it, it's got some good spin on it. So people are going to be excited to to try a good release from them. So again, not that it's an excuse because in the moment that we're living in, I feel like we can't trust everybody to listen to mandates. People are just going to go do what they want no matter what. They will always build a bigger idiot. Yeah, even if you look at the photo that was posted online to show the line, somebody had their damn kid out. Oh, yeah. Like, how bad is your FOMO <laughs> that you got to drag your kid out to, like, this non-essential shitty seltzer release? Yeah. Like, I... I so, I'm drinking the, uh, the, the morning... You know, the morning feels that also came out same day. And like I said, I went to call there, but I was also doing grocery shopping at the same time. Like so I you lumped are everything already out and about. Yeah, yeah. I lumped everything into one trip and I'm not like trying to fuck about. So <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that a technical term, Steve? Yes. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Hey Yin's guys don't fuck about. <laughs> uh so Jason, what are you drinking on uh for this episode? I'll tell you what, I am drinking a uh Single hop IPA from Millworks in Harrisburg. I, I had passed through there about a month ago, so I picked up a mixed six-pack. This is uh, number 13, and it's made with Centennial Hops. And it is freaking extraordinary, and I wish I would have picked up more because I am digging the hell out of this beer. And the, the, the whole six-pack was fantastic, and I had got to experience Millworks one other time when I was in Harrisburg. So I wasn't going in blind. I knew a couple of the beers. I had not had this one on my first visit, and this is fantastic. This is easily the best one I've had from that six-pack. Um, I feel like, for solidarity's sake, with COVID-19, I'm drinking all my beers out of dirty glass for the whole quarantine. <laughs> solidarity, brother. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's better or worse than out of glasses that were wiped down with bleach wipes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam? So for me, I'm uh, I'm actually on the grist house train as well. Uh, I'm actually drinking the Paddler, a dessert sour, about 7.5% ABV. I'm also kind of going down the path, not quite the dirty glass mafia, but I am getting into all of my back catalog. My goal is to get rid of all the beers that I have in the beer fridge before I go out and buy more. I'm getting there too. So I, I'm yeah. getting into the, the back of the shelves, things that I kind of forgot about. So, uh, yeah, there's some stuff in there that I'm not going to want to drink, but I'm going to drink. I'm going to ask your guys' opinions and thoughts on what I should do with this, because as I am doing the exact same thing, I found a 16-ounce can of Rivertown Halakahiki with the old branding. Mm. Huh. I would not assume a Halakahiki ages well. <laughs> no. Probably not. <laughs> that beer has to be at least two years old. But is it <laughs> really going to, like, fetch anything on the trade market? Does anybody want the old brain? Well, I wasn't planning on putting it out there for someone to come mule out of my house. I was, do I drink it or do I throw it up on the hill and see if it explodes? I, I don't know. I, I feel like actually the Halakahiki probably is okay. It's probably just going to be like really, really bland. We'll see. I, I say go for it. The worst thing that happens is you don't drink all of it. Well, yeah. now that I've previewed it, we've got a segment two of this show. I might as well make this drink public. And I've silenced the audience. 
Yeah. Never silence the other host. <laughs> we're, we're listening. Yeah, I'm waiting. Bated no, breath. I was done. I'll drink a two-year-old halakihi. Oh, okay. That's what All you're right. just going to do for oh. segment two. I thought, yeah. I thought you were going to lead something else in. <laughs> no, I wasn't. This is easier when we're all in the same room. Exactly. Yeah, right. So and the other thing that I, I'm a little bit upset about is, Jason, every time you come on the show, there's always something new. First time, or first time we had all the basic equipment. Second time around, we had new microphones and everything like that. <laughs> this year, there's a new laptop that is not from the Bush presidency, and there's a new table here for everybody to sit on. So I'm kind of disappointed that for the WrestleMania show this year, you didn't get to experience all that. Man, it's like, it's very akin to you watching WrestleMania like there's no one else in the arena. So <laughs> this podcast, there's no one else in the room with you. I'm just yelling at myself. See, it's only podcasters and wrestlers and UFC fighters that get to still do what they did originally. I say, and NASCAR drivers, they get to go out on their simulators as well. That's about it. Yeah. Everybody else is sitting at home picking their noses. Did they bring back Bill Elliott yet? No, his kid's running, though. What about some of the Andretti brothers? No, uh, no they died. All of them? Well, the one, the, the one did. Yeah, I knew the one did. I thought they. Yeah. I thought all the I thought Andrettis that was the were... only one. I think yeah. we're getting off track here. Eh. No. Right. <laughs> no, this is all relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Uh... Oh, excuse me. My bad. Yeah, so uh, I, we brought Jason on, not just to talk WrestleMania, though. We brought Jason on to talk about a lot of the creativity and a lot of the better business practices that are going on with breweries <laughs> as uh, you know we go through this quarantine time. Um, I thought I just wanted to start and just ask you quickly, Jason. Uh, it, recently, Virginia said they were going to go till June 10th. Is that something, do you think, uh, PA's preparing for and do you have an inside track because i know you're close with a lot of business uh, breweries are people preparing for june 10th even though it hasn't been said i would have to think yes i mean it, it we're, we're not thinking like this is going to just be instantly solved on may 1st i think you really have to be thinking long term I, I mean the official plans i mean i it's hard to say because we keep getting new information every day so i'm sure that everybody's just planning to roll with their business practices as they are right now and doing everything they can to keep getting beer out there and stay relevant and stay in front of people. But it's, I would say for the long term, if people aren't planning for June or even beyond, they really should be because I think that they're, they're we were talking before we started here, is there's going to be a mad rush for people to get out and about when they can finally leave their house but that's not going to be an instantaneous thing. It's going to take some time. And I still think there's going to be a lot of people that are nervous to go out and be around other people. Like, this has instilled fear in a big, big way, and for good reason. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing it exactly the way they should be, and quarantining and staying away and, and practicing social distance, and all of that is good. But when this epidemic or pandemic ends... What's the next feeling that you have when you go out in public? Are you instantly relieved? Are you going to run up and hug folks? Are you going to be in, in comfortable in an environment where you're stacked on top of one another trying to get to the bar when it's six deep and everybody's happy to be out? I don't think so. I think there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of struggle in, in those early days until we really know that it's safe to be back out in the world. 
So I think everybody has to have that thought in mind as they plan out their next few months. And I wonder if there's going to be any official word of maybe coming back with a reduced capacity at restaurants and breweries and things like that. Instead of going from zero to 100, maybe just, you know, hey, you can have 50 people in here instead of your normal 150 or something like that. Right. I, I, I could totally foresee that just to start dipping the toes in. I think that people are going to be happy that that's even a possibility because right now, Christ, like on Sunday, like I was thinking like, I want to go golf by myself in an open area where I won't be around anybody. And I'm not even allowed to do that. Like that sucks. So I think there's going to be that, that feeling of freedom again, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we still have to think for the long term and make sure that we're out of the woods. So this doesn't continue to be something like if we have to, Go backwards. Like, think of how awful that would be if we yeah. get the, okay, we're good, guys. Let's let's start getting life back to normal. And then another outbreak hits. Fuck. And we're right back where we started. Oh, God. Like, that's... <laughs> that's going to be worse. Way worse. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. This is like the plot of a really bad Will Smith movie. And then it's like, a.k.a. a Will Smith movie. It's just, <laughs> I feel like this is the type of story that he would star in and just butcher. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think they've already been talking about how they're looking at the fall as a possible uh, rebound of an, an increase in cases again. So it, it's like it's possible that we'll get like one or two months, July and August, where, you know, we get the that, you know, 50 percent capacity or just like 50 people, whatever it is. You know, well, I could see golf courses reopening because, again, I you're, talking, yeah, yeah. you're talking like four people you know, at a time and they're distanced. Sure. But I think the fear that they have was not so much on the course. It's the fact that everybody goes to the clubhouse app. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. Now, if they can find a way to curtail that where, Hey, you're just golfing and you're going home, then maybe there's a possibility that things can get back on track, but I don't (laughs) know. The West Hills, uh, par three will be open. (laughs) (laughs) You could probably go play that right now. No one's going to stop you. Oh, yeah. That dude didn't give a fuck. We used to play it all the time when he was just, like, sleeping. He didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just wonder if you had, had any, heard anything on the inside from any breweries that were planning for, you know, further out. Uh, yeah, I, again, not anything that's saying, like, I think the biggest theme is that no one's really picking a date. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one's going to lo- get locked into May 1st or May 15th or I mean, any time in April now at this point. I mean, I think it's already been, and I know for a fact, it's already been announced that we're doing this at least through April. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody's yeah. really latching on to saying, okay, like, you know, like Donald Trump said, Easter, we're just going to reopen everything. Well, we saw how that worked out. I think it, it, it is almost parallel to when someone's planning to open a brewery and they say, oh, we're going to be open by <laughs> May 1st and then how many obstacles present themselves. So I get it. Like they're probably just playing it very cautiously and doing whatever they can now. And then when they get the word that they can get back to normal, then they'll make those moves. I will say the one thing that I, if there is a silver lining to all of this is that there's a lot better of a, a web presence and a social media presence of 100%. trying to, to get, you know, in with your customers, trying to connect with them, say, hey, these are the the avenues that you have. A lot of the online ordering, I'll guarantee you half the breweries out there had nothing when this all started in terms of online ordering and things like that. But now that that's established, there's no reason to go back. That should all just stay in place and make things easier for everybody. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, I think that for 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 sure, the breweries that already had a strong digital presence are feeling the good effects of having that presence at this point because it wasn't as hard to get established and get their word out there. They had already been in a position where they were reaching a, a good amount of folks. So obviously they've been keeping that going. Some of the breweries that were just establishing that presence might have a little bit more time getting traction, but this is the time because you have no other option. So this <laughs> you is have the nothing time. else to do. No, I mean, this is the time to get re- very creative with your social media and, and, and think of ways that you can connect with people, whether it be through live videos or virtual tastings, virtual happy hours, whatever you decide to do, just be there for your people. Don't be trying to hardcore sell them on things like just be that be that third space that they're used to, but do it in a digital capacity. And Adam, you mentioned, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think at this point, we're the only people who haven't hosted a live happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) They are plentiful. They're fun as hell, too. I mean, I have to say, given what, and I think (laughs) what makes it so fun is that we're all so used to not talking to anybody right now. When you actually get into any type of environment where you can talk to people again, it's freaking (laughs) fun. So, like, yeah, like, I'm having a blast with you guys right now. And usually I don't have much fun at all. So this is fantastic. (laughs) But, well, Adam, you were mentioning about the online ordering. I think that to a degree, there is, you'll probably see a lot of that stay in place. This had come up on the Fueled by Hops community about the home delivery and, and things like that. And I think right now, breweries are doing these things because they have to. At the end of the day, the profit center is getting them into the tap room for food, for beer, for merchandise, for overall brand loyalty and and building that trust it's all done inside those four walls so the things that you do on the exterior will help draw them in so always offering a a system where you or a service where you're going to deliver the beer at home defeats the purpose to a degree so i I think there's going to be some element of being able to like if anything for the can releases i think there's some times where you can use a system like that and be more organized and know who you're know who's coming know how much stock you're going to have so I think things like that can be useful in the future, but I still think the key is going to be getting people into the tap room. So when those tap rooms are open again, they're going to be right back on track with doing that. And, and I think with the can release side of things, honestly, I think that's going to bring more people in if you're able to get in, say, a virtual line and say, okay, I'm going to come here at 2.15 in the afternoon to pick up my pick up my beer. You know, it's already taken care of. It's already set aside. But mm-hmm. you're able to show up. You don't have to stand in line for four hours. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that has its own, you know, pluses and minuses. You know, there's a lot of people that enjoy that sort of thing. I would but, be on the former there. I would want to be the guy that orders and says, I'll be there like I'm picking up my dinner or something. Exactly. Yeah. And there would be nothing wrong with showing up when your order is supposed to arrive and then sticking around for a beer or two anyways. Yeah. You can do that as well. Absolutely. And you still get people in the tap room. Well, I, I've, I've been at Dancing Gnome for some of those can releases, and it, it's packed by 405. I remember the first time I ever went down for one, it wasn't necessarily for the beer or the can release. I was just going to meet some people at Dancing Gnome, mm-hmm. and I showed up and saw the line. I was like, holy shit. But what I noticed was everybody got their cans and then came inside. So everybody had their cases sitting next to them, but they were drinking but whatever was on tap while they were there too. So there's that double-edged sword of if you create a system where people just come and pick up their beer and leave, 
you lose that that in-house profit. Right. So I think they're going to be very careful about how they utilize that. Right. And maybe that's something where they're able to set off maybe half of their stock for online purchasing and the other half you still have to show up. You know, there is in, no in way that line. photo is current. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really hope that was some sort of glamour shot. Nope. <laughs> Senior picture? <laughs> nope. That's just that's just the work profile. That's how I sell myself on the internet. <laughs> for, for your job at Toys R Us in 1992? <laughs> I was 10. I was still just going to Toys R Us. <laughs> hey, you need a web video? I'll get yeah. you a web video. <laughs> Is that your Tinder picture? Hell yeah. <laughs> Gets all the swipe rights. <laughs> Gross. So we're we're talking about things that are sticking around, though. Um, do you think the delivery part is going to stick around? Because I think that's kind of something that's the the the, the I guess the PL you know the the PA liquor control has been lax on with letting breweries deliver beer without any kind of special licensing or anything. Um, you know, we we see like Insurrection, Eleventh Hour, Cinderlands, Butler Brew Works, Levity. They all broke out, you know, five mile radiuses at least, and like some of them will deliver kegs if you call. Um, do you think that's going to stick around? Because I think also Cinderlands does food with their mm -hmm. beer takeout. I, th if I had to say right now, my guess would be no, because you're you're talking about building a whole new infrastructure on top of everything else. So now you've got a staff. Now you've got to figure out how are you going to handle orders that are coming in for home delivery as well as what's happening in-house. So you're going to need more people for that. So if you are able to hire the staff and it and it's profitable, then sure. But it also comes back to the licensing end of it. Like, how is the state going to proceed with allowing you to do this? I don't know. I don't have those answers. It's it's It'll be... I'll be interested to see if that sticks around, but I go back to what I said before. I think the idea is to get people to come to your tap room. But if your tap room is closed, you have to pivot and you have to do what you can to stay operational. So these breweries are running on skeleton crews and they're doing whatever they can to get that beer out because if they don't, they're going to dump it. So they have to find homes for it. So that means that throwing it in the car and delivering it to somebody's house. Yeah. Right now that's a pretty good alternative to dumping it down the drain. So again, right now you're seeing everybody, work very creatively to make things come together. But when we get back to whatever normal is going forward, I think the object is going to be to get people to come in and see you. But okay. I could definitely see a, a third party company come in and kind of, kind of become a delivery service. I know there's some that are already starting to happen, but I can see that being a little more normalized. Somebody saying, okay, I've got, 10 breweries under my umbrella that I can deliver within a 10 mile radius mm -hmm. as, as a third party. I could definitely see that happening after all of this. I, I'm surprised that hasn't popped up yet. If it, yeah, if it's something that people can do legally, then absolutely. I just, I, I, and I, again, this is nothing I've ever researched. So I don't know if you need some sort of distributor's license to be able to do that or wholesaler's license to do that. Because like, I know for a uh, fact, beverages to you.com, which is a, a company that's based off of Brentwood Distributing, who I'm, I'm real close with those guys because they work with Spoonwood. They, um, 
they've started this probably a year ago to where you can go onto their website, order beer, and then it arrives on your doorstep in the next day. If you're in Pittsburgh, if there's other, yeah, we, we yeah we've talked about them before because they'll also deliver red ribbon to you. Get that <laughs> soda. Yeah, they'll, and they'll but they'll deliver anywhere in Pennsylvania uh-huh. within the within the borders. So yeah, the, the, these types of things are in place. It's just a question of how can you make it profitable? How can you make it worthwhile? What makes it worthwhile to the brewery for them to go down this road? Like if they were to partner with a company that does this. Is it, is it profitable enough to make sense? So again, these are all things that once we get back to normal, I think a lot of what we're seeing now that we're going to call these things into question because you look at the people or the brands that have been doing great things with their social media. Can they maintain that when things get back to normal? You know, what, what are they going to do? What did they pull from this experience? That was, this is really good. This is a great way to communicate with my audience. I'm going to keep doing it. We'll see all those questions answered in due time. Yes, and hopefully right that is sooner rather than later. Yeah. Let's hope. Uh, so I got one more thing that I wanted to bring up to you, Jason, and maybe you have uh, maybe you have a line on some other breweries that are doing something similar. Um, but North Country on April eighth, they're putting out a beer that's called For the People, and it's a cream ale, and fifty percent of the proceeds of that beer are going to go to the hospitality sector to like help you know give money to the servers and things in the butler uh county area have mm-hmm. you heard of anybody else doing something like that other than a virtual tip jar i i i actually haven't at this point i think that was a phenomenal idea and a phenomenal effort for north country to take those steps i i don't know of anybody else but you know hopefully we will see something like that from some other places it's you know, i think it, it's anything that can be done to help out these guys in this at this time is is awesome. So those guys doing that is a big move, big move. Got to yeah, got to yeah, tip my cap to them for that. But yeah, I thought it was cool. And then uh, I obviously you can go on breweriesnpa.com and then they have a list of all the virtual tip jars that are available as well. Right on. All right. So uh, what do you guys say? We take a, a quick break. Are we able to do that with this? Uh, I don't yeah, know how well, this technology I, works. Yeah. We'll, start, we'll a just... new, start a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just stop, start a new one. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we do have a little bit of time, I think. Um, we do. We got about 10, yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Tattered Flag in Middletown. They're, uh, they're a brewery, but they're also a distillery, and they're getting in on the making hand sanitizer game. Yeah, yeah, a lot of distilleries have been doing that. I think that's great as well. Anything that yep. can be done to help out. But yeah, I just wanted to give them a shout out because I read about them doing that, and I, I don't know. I think Wiggle maybe. Wiggle, to my knowledge, we, Wiggle, uh, Maggie's Farm, Quantum Spirits, Boyd and Blair, and um, Liberty Pole, and yeah. this, and then also Disobedient out in Indiana are all in on that as well. Very nice. Yeah. T- Tattered Flag was the only one I found that was both a brewery and a distillery in PA, but ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, if you want to go just outside the border, I know Southern Tier is doing something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Southern Tier is. There's a bunch in Ohio that are doing it. A lot of people have jumped on board. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a cool thing. Absolutely. 
So, yeah. uh, all right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's get that uh, two-year-old Halakahiki lined up, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back for uh, another segment of of this Zoom session of the Hop Nation USA podcast. First Sip Brew Box is a one-of-a-kind subscription service for craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including t-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at firstsipbrewbox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth month free at firstsipbrewbox.com. All right, welcome back, Hop Nation. This is Adam. That's Steve. That's Jason. You've already heard us. What? Oh, I thought you ooped us. I said Yo. Oh, yo, I thought you ooped us. Like, oh, shit, I dropped something. I did not. <laughs> Just the beat. <laughs> Drop something. Uh, so we are, uh, we are on episode 148. We're talking beers, although this episode, since it is a Jason Sircone episode, we cannot go without talking a little bit of wrestling. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> Hot pocket. <laughs> Now, the real question is, Steve, did you make that yourself, or did you uh, pilfer did that from the internet? I did not make this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I found that one, and it made me laugh. It's a hot pocket, hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So, Jason, I understand that you uh, you did crack open that halakahiki. I did. I did. Survey says? Again, um, not as opaque as I remember this beer. The aroma hit me, threw me off a little bit, but it tastes fine. It tastes like a halakahiki. It held right on. Right on. So we we're talking just before this that uh, I went to the back of the beer fridge myself and uh, got a beer for solidarity's sake. I got the uh, the Spoonwood uh, Turtle Waste of Time, their black lager. Oh, that should still be good. Oh, oh it is. Yeah. yeah. It is. But... Uh, like we talked about in segment one, that we're trying to get through all of our stock before we go back out. This is just another step in the process. Except for me, who is on new stock, who just went out, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still on the morning feels. Nice. And I'll say, I didn't really talk much about this beer because we were busy talking about controversy, but uh, yeah, this beer is really good. Like, there's a lot of coffee flavor on it, but it's a really smooth ale. I'm and so, tea, tea as well, right? In that right. One? Yeah, it's a it's like a roasted chestnut tea. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah, it's very roasty and like nutty. It's good. Do they say where the coffee came from? Which grinder? Which roaster? The coffee comes from Allegheny Coffee and Tea Exchange. Okay, well, that and makes sense. The tea comes from Griffin's Tea. No so, idea where that's from. It's all Pittsburgh area. Yeah, they're oh, local. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I'll admit I'm not a tea guy. So I'm I'm not up on my teas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but coffee beans, vanilla, milk, sugar, raw wheat, and tea. Right on. It sounds like a pretty good combination. It does it really is? It's nice and smooth, and it's like got a good mouthfeel to it. Right on. So Steve, I, I understand we got to talk wrestling, <laughs> and this is where I'm officially out of my depths. I mean, you had time to catch up. There, it's not like it's hard to catch up. There replaying every damn match <laughs> <laughs> you say that but i, I really didn't hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how about you jason have you been 
I know you've been getting more into AEW. Have you tuned in for WWE at all? I had, I had, I had had like a three to four month layoff of WWE where I did, I didn't watch anything other than <clears throat> going on the network and watching old stuff. I didn't watch Raw. I didn't watch SmackDown, and I didn't watch any pay per views until the Royal Rumble. And I watched the Royal Rumble, and I felt like I missed nothing. It was like I just picked right up where I left off. And then when the Royal Rumble ended, I said, all right, well, I'll see you for WrestleMania. And I have tuned in to a couple of the Raws, a couple of the SmackDowns, and that that was before they had to go empty arena. Mm -hmm. And my God, were they bad. Just (laughs) bad. Um. I think I, my opinions and viewpoints have been skewed because I've always been a big Jim Cornette fan. And lately I've really been getting into his podcast, especially when he started doing the reviews of AEW. And I should say, I'm, I'm not just going to say that AEW is the greatest thing e- either. Like, they've got some flaws. I'm, you may have seen Matt Hardy teleport on their fucking show last week. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Like, that was just abysmal. So not tell, not saying that, oh, everything's great because these guys are around. I think wrestling in general has just gone through this complete transformation. It's nothing like it was when when I feel like it was at its best, and that was in the, the Attitude Era from, what, like 96 until about 2004, around that time. That's when McMahon started changing the product and making it less sports-based. And, I mean, they always had that element of gaudy entertainment, but now it's just so scripted. And so overproduced that nobody seems like themselves anymore. I just have checked that. Like, I honestly, this is the first year I was actually saying I may not watch WrestleMania. I've been watching wrestling since I was six. And I've never missed a WrestleMania. And I was contemplating skipping it altogether because I was just so turned off by everything. I mean, here's what this has been my take. There's a couple ways to look at this, and I'm probably in the minority, but they keep putting the spotlight on all these guys in their 50s. Your Undertakers, your Brock Lesnar. I don't think Brock Lesnar's in his fifties, but he's no, he's old. damn close. He, yeah, I mean, he, but he's not of this new crop, like mm-hmm. your your Seth your Seth Rollins and your Roman Reigns and your Bray Wyatt's things like that. Goldberg coming back and flattening Bray Wyatt out. You keep putting the emphasis on these guys. It just exemplifies that nobody in this current crop is that good when those guys were in their prime. Because you have to keep turning to these older guys. Stop drawing cocks on your... T- <laughs> trying to make a point here about That's wrestling right. that no one watches. I'm drawing a title belt. Oh. oh. <laughs> you got to get out of the house more. Um, we all do. But my point is there, there's all of this glorification of these older guys and everybody loves nostalgia, but... Think back to when wrestling was at its peak, like that period I said earlier. Did they have Bruno San Martino coming back and taking down Stone Cold Steve Austin? No. No. The, the only the only uh, analog to that is Ric Flair. That's yeah, but it. Ric Flair's in a completely different category. But he was period. an active wrestler through the whole thing. Right, he's and he's only one. Now. He's yeah, only he, one guy compared to like the the tons he, that they keep bringing mm-hmm. back. But there also wasn't a break for him, and he, he wasn't part time. Like Ric Flair was there, so I, I can't I can't lump him into that same conversation. But to me, you take any, all element of surprise away. Like you, I, I, what? No, 
no, I was just saying that, like, I, I agree, like, but I'm just saying the closest you think, thing you had was Ric Flair. Oh, right. But at the same time, I look at this as they have overproduced and overscripted and given these guys all of their lines and everything is so formulaic that it's practically impossible to watch it and, and get surprised by something. Because yeah. that was always wrestling's draw, was there was that suspension of disbelief where something may happen, you'd go, holy shit, like, that wasn't supposed to happen. But you don't get that at all anymore. You know you're just watching a produced program where everything was scripted. So you can't suspend your disbelief. You just know you're going into it, and it's a produced show. And to me, that's just brutal and hard to watch. Because it's not entertaining. If it were at least entertaining, <laughs> I may give them some slack. But it's not. Yeah, and it's been that way, like, ever since they brought back The Rock to face CM Punk, mm-hmm. everybody knew, knew what the end of that match was. Mm-hmm. Like, that was awful. That was your last, I think that was the last period with any one guy that brought a level of excitement and suspense to it. Like, you didn't know what, like, Punk came out and you weren't sure what he was going to say and you actually believed that he was shooting on the mic every time. It just, you don't have, like, every guy that comes out now, you know they're just reading something they were handed by a shitty writer a couple hours beforehand. You're not going to have that that pipe bomb moment that Punk had in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. It's just, everything is a script. And, I mean, you can, the, the evidence of this is not only in what you see on the product, but all these guys that have jumped over to AEW have all gone on Chris Jericho's podcast and said the exact same thing. Brody Lee just did it. Matt Hardy just did it. Moxley did it when he first moved over. So I was on a Cornette's, it was on Cornette's podcast the other day, and I don't remember who he was quoting, but I think it was CM Punk that had said this. The biggest problem with them is that everything could be better. They have the technology, the money, the ability, the talent. They have the ability to make this a great product. They just choose not to because Vince McMahon is embarrassed to say that he's in the wrestling business. He's never thought of it as that. That was why the term sports entertainment became a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's as a guy that's been that's been watching wrestling, I think that that's why AEW was appealing to me and why I was very excited for it. But they've got some elements in it that are just wrestling production crap too like the Matt Hardy teleporting thing so I'm not familiar with that what exactly happened with the the Matt Hardy teleportation (laughs) because if anybody's gonna teleport it's gotta be Matt Hardy well yeah but why does it it just it looks so stupid and it you could tell it wasn't real and that's and again like again you know it's not real you know this is something that's scripted but you're watching it and you're suspending your disbelief for a minute saying that maybe this is something <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. I said that before. Mm. They have an empty arena like WWE does, and Matt Hardy was making his in-arena date, or he debuted the week before he was going to have a face-to-face with Chris Jericho, and it started with Chris Jericho in the ring, and then it had Matt Hardy up in the rafters. And then all of a sudden, Matt Hardy was in the mezzanine section. And then all of a sudden, Matt Hardy was in the v, the VIP section, <laughs> and then he was over here, and then he was down at ringside, like within. And then this, and the announcers had to sell it as, "Oh my God, did this just happen?" It's like, no, it didn't no. just happen. <laughs> so it almost looked like they just sort of snipped some film out. Oh yeah, it was oh. bad transitions. Oh wow, yeah, bad. and I've and I've learned later that 
they had they they did it the first time they did it it wasn't good to the point where they couldn't even do it or use it they had to reshoot it during the show because apparently that empty arena that they're using the cons who own AEW own the building and it doesn't have a roof so they couldn't shoot it during the day because of the light <laughs> so they had to wait for it to be dark again which is they 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 ran a pre-recorded sh- a match during the show and mm. reshot it Oh, Which geez. explains why some of the editing was clunky because they had to whip it together in like half an hour. <laughs> and it's at some point, I wish somebody would just said like, "Let's scrap it. Why don't you just come out from the back?" Yeah, like you've got normal. enough talent. You can make this work. Sell it with your ability to cut a promo because it's Jericho and Hardy. They can both do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just terrible. And that's the thing. It's like I've 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 been wondering like, is it because I'm forty now that I just don't dig this like I used to, and I'm I'm too critical of it because I'm older. And I don't I'm, think that's it because you probably would have hit that at like 25. You'd think, you know, you, right? Yeah, like it's just one of those things that call it a guilty pleasure, call it a pleasure. It's just one of those things that I've always enjoyed watching. The stories have always hooked me, but late, like I said, the last couple years and even more recently, the last couple months have just been. It's been very easy to not watch. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much where I've been with it. So what's what is going on with this two day WrestleMania? Obviously, there's other things going on, but what is what is what the hell are they doing with? Well, that? this is the thing. I, they they're doing whatever they can. It's, mm-hmm. They're they're no different than anybody else, right? Part me personally, I looked at it as like why why are you forcing this? Like it seems like a lot of it is just going to be tossed together. You got guy like you had Roman Reigns who was supposed to win the title from Goldberg. Say I'm not. I'm not going to participate. This guy's got fought off leukemia twice. I don't blame him for saying I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So they're going to give it the Strowman. <laughs> so you're making these adjustments to your storyline because you're too stubborn to say we're going to save our really big show for the summer. Right. But right. now they're doing it. But I heard how long it's going to be. Remember? Did you watch WrestleMania last year? Either of you guys? I did. Yeah. What was it like? Six or seven hours when you count the pre show, it was was like a day of work. I'm just like, (laughs) hey, gonna have to have a lunch break. When it went past midnight and they hadn't even done the women's match yet, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so tired, I want to go to freaking bed, (laughs) dude. That is pretty good for just whipping it together on the spot here, yeah. Credit where credit is due, yeah. For our audio listeners that aren't seeing the videos the whole time I've been talking, Steve has not been listening and drawing a title. (laughs) I've totally been listening, it's just I agree with you, like uh, with everything you're saying. Like, it's too over, like, it's too overproduced. The only thing I'd say is there's two guys that can deliver a promo right now, and that's Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Mm -hmm. That you know, I, I mean, other than The Undertaker. Well, that, obviously he's been around. I saw the Undertaker's promo the other night, and it was really good. I, I saw it on Twitter, and I said, "Okay, here's more proof that cutting a promo is a dead art because you've got a guy from the previous generation showing how you should be able to do it, but no one else can because they're not teaching anybody to deliver the way he does." So WrestleMania I mean, was six or seven hours last year. They split it up over two days. It's all going to be pre-recorded. The total time in. Hour or two hour pre shows before each night, it's going to be over eight hours. That's yeah. a full, like you said, that's a full day's work. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I just, what? Because it's every, after every match, there's some kind of commercial. Mm-hmm. They have to spend so much time plugging their networks, plugging their social media. 
I just, I'll tell you what, the one thing I've always given them credit for, and I still believe this, their production value is through the roof. That's always going to be stellar. Their documentaries are great. Mm-hmm. And I was always in the camp that they do the best documentaries. And I just started watching Dark Side of the Ring. And now I'm with them. Because <laughs> those stories are freaking ridiculous. If either of you guys watched. I have not watched that yet. That's Vice, though, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they're pretty used to doing documentary stuff. So Yeah. Oh, man, those are some good stories. I mean, and, and they really delve into the effed up side of wrestling. And like we, I was watching the Benoit one. They did a whole two part, two hour series on the Benoit. Oh, that had to be a roller coaster. I remember I texted my sister. I was like, I've loved this since I was like six, and I wonder why sometimes. Just hearing all the fucked upness behind (laughs) that whole story, I was just like, I mean, I have like glorified these guys as such great people and 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 so fun to watch and. Many of them are, but some of them behind the scenes. Like last night was on New Jack. That dude's a psychopath. Oh my, dude! If you watch this, I can't believe he got booked after a couple of these in, uh, situations. It was just crazy. He stabbed the guy in the ring for Christ's sake! <laughs> stabbed him, pulled a knife out, stabbed him. They brick killed a guy. <laughs> that, that escalated quickly. Like they got him to admit that he tried to kill Vic Grimes when he threw him oh. at that ECW show. And I swear to God. I never saw that footage until last night, and I almost jumped out of the chair when he threw him off the <laughs> scaffold. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was one of those things where you were like, that didn't just happen. Because the way he bounced, he hit a table, and then he hit off the top rope, bounced, and came back into the ring. I'm like, he's dead. I can't believe he's not. And wow, I can't so believe high. this guy got work after that. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, man. But those those are the kind of things, I guess, at this point in my life with wrestling, I like hearing all these old stories and all the craziness behind them. Like, I guess like the season's also going to have a story about Owen Hart and, and his death. Hmm. The first season, I went back and watched that. There is the story about Bruiser Brody getting murdered and um, Macho Man and Elizabeth. They're crazy. So it, is this the first season for this documentary Sec- series? Just started second? the okay. second. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go check that out because that if you've got it's as crazy as it sounds. If you've got Hulu, you can pull up the first season on demand. Okay. If you if you search, you can find it on YouTube. I think. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to find it some way somehow. Boy, I'll I will say doing all of this. Me and my buddy were talking about starting a wrestling podcast. I know this has been talked about before. I don't. And I've always felt like, well, I'm not. I don't know the industry well enough to do it. So we're tr- we're trying to find an angle that would make sense. We're still kicking it around, but it's. I feel like this is what the show would be, just bitching. <laughs> bitching. Is that half how, of being a wrestling fan in the first place? It's a valid point. <laughs> it's a valid point. Yeah, I, there's so many. Like, we have a number of podcasts that we follow, and, it, and they're just all bitching and cranky. And it's just like ah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't um, know if I can get behind that. But, yeah. yeah, but let, let's be honest. We bitch and moan about beer on here a lot too. So for sure, that, that's what happens when you're, you know, you're a fan of something. You're gonna find something to bitch about. Yeah. Oh yeah. We always want it to be better, no matter what. Exactly. You you have higher expectations. Yeah, and that's where I I, I would like to, you know I'll give credit where credits due on certain things. Like I said, with their production value and and the overall aesthetic of what you see on television for a WWE show always looks good. But 
the actual product is so far removed from what it once was that I just, I don't think they'll ever go back and I don't think I'll ever, I mean, there, there's one possibility. It's when Vince dies. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how things shake out with that. But honestly, I don't see, I, I don't see the promos changing much. I just see the types of matches becoming more like NXT. Yeah. But that's where you look at like how different NXT is. And is that what we're supposed to think? Okay, well, hey, here, if you're a glorified old-school wrestling fan that enjoys a good match, watch NXT. Where I think to some degree they've put good matches on, but there's also the same level of WWE over-scripted nonsense on that show that makes it hard to watch as well. Mm-hmm. So I haven't watched NXT in a while either. Has AEW been able to kind of bridge that gap of giving the the performers a little more freedom in the ring on on the mic or anything like that or is that another valid concern with them well the big concern that i see with aew is the fact that it's like the the inmates running the asylum like (laughs) you have to have some element of control and and Mm -hmm. somebody that's overseeing some of this and saying that is not good like this is not going to work and they don't have that these guys are pretty much brought in and the guys that are running the show are independent wrestlers too. So they're saying, oh yeah, sure, go ahead. Go out there and teleport. I, I keep going back to the teleporting, <laughs> but I know there's some, there's some other stuff that they've done that is just, when you think about it logically, and this is again where listening to Jim Cornette's podcast gets, gives me the insight of like, okay. So, and now it's gotten to the point where I'll watch the show subjectively like that to say, okay, that's something he's going to tear apart and this is why. And it may, that might be just to pass the time a little bit. And I knew, like, one, one comment from last week's show, they had Cody Rhodes doing commentary because they're doing, like, Jim Ross is in his 70s, so he's at home. He's not coming out. I think that's very wise. <laughs> right, yeah. So they had Cody Rhodes as a commentator, and they've got this wrestler named Darby Allen, who's probably all of 170 pounds, real skinny dude, but he's very over with the crowd, and he's good. Like, the guy mm. is a great wrestler. And he, half of his face is painted. He's got a really unique look. I, I, I think he's he's one of their better prospects or one of the better guys that they brought in from the independent scene. Cody to compared him to Sting. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, Sting in his prime was double his size. Way, way di-. Like I was like, wow. And I was like, that's something they're going to tear apart. And sure as hell on the show when they did the review, like, what the fuck was he talking about? Like, yeah, like that... If that's how I have to watch wrestling now to enjoy it, so be it. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things now where I can take it or leave it. I used to be very into it. Now I just, like, if I miss it, it's like, eh, I, I didn't miss much. Right. No harm, no foul. Right. And that's the thing. Like, WrestleMania is this weekend. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I've got nothing else to do other than my work. So if I can get my work done, I can sit and watch WrestleMania if I really want to. But do I really want to? I just... I. I'm very curious how the numbers are going to be because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have similar opinions of I'll watch it if I can, but eh, looking at how it's been and if it's not going to be in front of a a large live audience, it's not going to have the same impact. Well, it's so hard to like not watch it at home because like I, and I'll say this, this is like the, I learned this 
because I used to get together with my buddies and we'd watch WrestleMania. We'd make a day out of it, especially when the network came out, because we'd watch old clips from old, like, okay, what, what WrestleMania do you want to watch? And we'll pull up a match or two, right. and just yes. drink drink some beers and, and barbecue and have a. It would be a great day. But it was also over at a reasonable time <laughs> because yeah. we're adults and we have to work. In yeah. The well, then the first, the last time I, I was there, I was with my buddy James Evans. We were watching it at his house, and we spent the day drinking and stuff. And then it started, and it just kept going, and it kept going, and it was the night when Undertaker lost to Roman Reigns, and I'm well, sitting there, and I'm like, all right, this is a moment that I definitely want to see because we thought that was it, like Undertaker was going to walk off, and that was the end of it. So I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching and then I look at the clock. I'm like, holy fuck! It's like twelve quarter to one. <laughs> We've been watching this shit, this this show since five. <laughs> and so like, it's like the okay. If I at least do that at home, I can go. I'm just gonna roll into bed now. I had to drive yeah. forty five minutes home from his house after that. It's like, good lord! I sound like a real old person, not willing to stay up past Matlock, but. <laughs> Uh, it's that's totally valid because I think the last time it was like a reasonable length was thirty, right? Like thirty was a reasonable length WrestleMania, and then they just kept overbloating it. Yeah, because every year they had to bring back three or four, you know, because uh, the Undertaker has to have his match and Brock Lesnar has to have his match, and mm-hmm. you just get these overbloated uh, WrestleManias that just oh my god, you like why. Well, I, you know what's think, funny though? This is the thing though. Every match has to be a spectacle. If you if right. you go back and look at some of the WrestleMania cards from the eighties and nineties, those cards were 12, 13, 14 matches, every one of them. Mm-hmm. They were not eight hour shows. I mean, the, the, some of those matches were a couple minutes. Some of them were blow offs. Some of them were squashes. They were able to move on in a three hour window and still give you everything you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But now it's not just about the what's happening because WrestleMania used to be the card where you got what you wanted. All of the, the payoff. Big, yeah, exactly. All of the big storylines that they built to, they blew them off at WrestleMania and then started over on raw the next day. It was like the season finale. Yeah. Now it's all about pushing the network and pushing the storylines and Hey, look at how good our producers are at making uh, content packages. And here's a recap of, this feud and you've already seen it four times on the pre-show, but we're going to show you again now. Like that's what that is now. Like they have to be constantly plugging everything because they're trying to get our money at every juncture. They can't get it through the pay-per-view revenue anymore. When they would sell WrestleMania for 65 bucks, they already had our money. (laughs) So it would be terrible if they would have spent that time advertising because, well, we already gave you our money. Why do we need to see ads? Now they've already got our 10 bucks a month, but they want to keep it. So they have to use this time to plug why you should be a network subscriber, especially all those people that come in and they're on their 30-day free trial. So it's a totally different thing now. It's or no all the people that are at a WrestleMania party that, you know, they don't, they don't subscribe or anything like that, but that's how they try to hook them I so just, that those I, people I, get in on it as well. I wonder how – I mean, this year – is an exception because this year is so goofy and they're splitting it up over two nights. But I wonder how big of a thing a WrestleMania party is anymore because you, you have to live your Monday. So unless you're taking <laughs> Monday off, you're up till 1230 with just the show. Mm-hmm. So if you're throwing the party, you got to clean up. If you're at the party, you got to drive home. So I, I don't know. I wonder if it's a thing. I mean, I, I look at the Super Bowl the same way. 
They don't start the goddamn game until 6.30, and then there's the freaking halftime show, and everything's a big production. We used to have a big Super Bowl party at my friend's house, and we all stopped going because the year it ended for me was I had to get my daughter home. I left in the fourth quarter, quarter when the uh, the Falcons were up on the Patriots 28-3. to It's like, well, I'll get home in time to see the celebration. I got home in time to see the Patriots sell. I'm like, what the hell did I miss? Missed the greatest Super Bowl comeback ever because it was too late to keep staying out. So, yeah, yeah, it's I, that might be just an age thing with us where we just we don't care that much about our entertainment to like devote our time. Yeah, you know, I think they're hoping like younger generations are kind of eased in like frogs in the boiling pots. Where they're they're already used to an eight hour WrestleMania, where we're no. not. We're just like fuck that. I, I got to go to sleep. I got to go to work. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, but the it's other... the thing. But I think the, the okay if their audience is a younger generation of kids, which to to many degrees in this PG era, it it has been, or it is, then all of these kids most likely have to go to bed before they get to the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, or their parents true. are saying, all right, you can stay up, but you're going to be real tired tomorrow. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I know my parents used to do that for big like sporting events. My parents would let me stay up once in a while, but you got to be thinking about the next day. That's why all volleys, like, that's why I, I like that AEW does their pay-per-views on a Saturday. Yeah, that is another nice thing about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, is back in the day, you didn't have the internet to go see all the highlights and get the, the recaps and everything instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Also true. Uh, nowadays, within two minutes of a match being over, you know, you go on R squared circle and it's already there. Yeah. And you can get that information right away. Well, I was actually, the, the last AEW pay-per-view, I was in a hotel room in Philly and I was, th- I, for whatever reason, I didn't want to pull the trigger on spending an extra 50 bucks to get this pay-per-view because I was just, I was in the room. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go down to the pool and swim instead. And I went down to the pool, and it was closed because somebody puked in it. <laughs> so I lost my pool. Pr- I was so pi- I, be- I was so I was beyond pissed because the whole time I was there, the pool ended up being closed. Story for another day. But <laughs> well, I went back to the room, and I then I kicked the idea around again. I'm like, oh, it's already started now. Screw it. And I just jumped on the internet and followed it as the results poured in. Right. And I got enough from the. I mean, because I can't remember the site that I pulled this off of. But I had done it for their first pay per view as well. They give you detailed results and detailed match happenings, so you like you watched it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I just saved fifty bucks because I, you know, end of the day, my life didn't really change much by not watching this. Right, and you, I'm sure you're still able to see the highlights, so you don't have to go through a two minute hold, you know, yeah. or somebody rolling around outside of the ring and stuff like that. It makes things much more condensed. So I'm surprised that they're not, you know, kind of catering to that a little bit. I wanted to watch for two matches for Jericho and Moxley and for Cody and MJF because MJF is without question the best thing going in wrestling right now for uh, wrestling fans out there that are unfamiliar with Maxwell Jacob Friedman. This guy is legit the best thing going. He he knows his character very well. Yeah, he lives his character. He's flipping off kids at... Yeah, photo sessions and stuff. Oh, like, that guy. Yeah. Okay, all right. But he, but he's a great wrestler too. He knows he does everything good in the ring. He does. You know, he's got all the body language. He does all the moves right. He does all the heel bullshit things that you would expect from a character like that. He's. He, he don't see a lot of that. No. 
And he, if they if he went to WWE, they'd probably kill him. They, they'd probably make him into the worst possible character you can imagine, just because that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, they, they. Hopefully, he stays where he is and just grows, and then maybe, 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 like five years down the line, well, he can he can go. But well, I don't know. Depends yeah. on what it is in five years. Right. Vince is set up to live till he's 120. <laughs> He will be a robot. Okay. <laughs> he isn't already. <laughs> he already is. <laughs> all right. So even though we've done all this bitching, is there any matches that you're actually looking forward to? No. Okay. <laughs> I can honestly say no. I, I don't I don't care about, I mean, because like the matches that you'd think you'd want. I, I, you know, honestly, I was just about to say Edge and Randy Orton, but I don't care about that either. That was such a terrible, terrible build. I, it made zero sense. Did you follow any of this? I he, followed it. I I kind of liked it. The reason that he took Edge out is that he tells Beth Phoenix that he took her uh, took him out because he felt that if he was in an actual wrestling match, that would be what hurt him. So he took him out himself so he wouldn't get hurt in the wrestling match. What kind of logic is that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was like the logic is that he wanted to be the one to do it and not, you know, just like some other rando. And then the, the funniest thing, I'll tell you what, this is something you have to follow if you don't already. WWE creative ish on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Best. The best Twitter account for wrestling out there. And when MVP came out and was going to start a stable and he wanted Edge to join and Edge came out. And to get back at Randy Orton for giving the RKO to his wife, he gives a concerto to MVP, and that was that was the tweet. The tweet from uh, from Creative Ish was like, "That'll that'll teach <laughs> that, that'll teach a Randy Orton to give Beth Phoenix a an, an RKO." Yeah, right? So like, I was dying. I'm like, "That's exactly right. Like that right there is the the synopsis of this whole illogical storyline. None of it makes sense." And these guys have wrestled a hundred times when I was in my teens. I don't need to see it again when I'm 40. Well, that's the other thing. Why is MVP relevant at all? Why Why is he back? I, I think it just for fun. I don't know. Like, <laughs> he just, he, he, he just came back for the uh, Royal Rumble just for a little bit. He wanted an official we'll... retirement match, and he got it the next night. Yeah. And now he's just, oh. like, he's just, hanging, was just out. hanging around. But then they wrote him, well, no, they wrote him off. Yeah, they have an edge kill him. Yeah, that's true. Well, I just, you know, Undertaker, AJ, might be the one that I'd say, okay, I, I, I would like to see this. But, again, I don't want to lean back on what I said earlier about these guys emphasizing the veterans. I don't yeah. think it provides any value to the new guys. I think no. it actually hurts the current product because people just can't get invested in these new guys because they know a, a veteran from – the 2000s is going to come in and flatten them. How many times yeah. have we seen Goldberg just come in and flatten a guy in the middle of a big run? It's terrible. Yeah, they, they've killed so many like stars or yeah. people that should be stars mm -hmm. with yeah. some guy that from in his 50s, like, yeah, I can't, you can't believe it. Like Jericho brought up a good point about Goldberg and saying that he's he is a big money draw, and I don't disagree, but if you don't if you put more emphasis into building the stars of tomorrow today versus relying on the stars of yesterday, you wouldn't have that problem to deal with because then you could say Roman Reigns is my big money star right now. 
Think about when wrestling was at its height. You had The Rock, you had Austin, you had The Undertaker, you had Triple H, you had McFoley. You had this list of guys at the top of the card that could carry it where you didn't have to lean on a veteran from the older days to come in and carry it and draw money. Right. When did they lose their ability to develop stars that can carry the card? I don't have the answer to that. I, I mean, to, to me, it's because they keep going back to the well, but eventually the well's going to be dead. And yeah. then what do you do? I think it's because they, one, kept going back to the well, and two, because they just put all their eggs in one basket in Joe and Cena. Yeah. Cause, cause, yeah, because you had other guys, because around the same time, you still had Edge and Kurt Angle and Ray, but all mm-hmm. those guys left for one reason or another, and they didn't replace them. Yeah, and and yeah. they had all the time in the world to do it. They had the Shield, which they have built, mm-hmm. but they also had Punk. Punk could have been that next Cena if they would have treated him like he was that guy. They treated him like shit. I don't blame him for leaving at all. I don't blame him for not wanting to come back. Yeah. I just think it sucks that like what we what we got from him was such a small sample of what it could be because when he was at his height, they could have kept him there for a while. But what'd they do? They brought the rock in. Yeah. And again, he's a draw. He's one of my all time favorites. Nothing against the rock, but again, you bring these guys in and it sacrifices the the, the continuing development of your current stars. They have to keep taking a back seat and putting over these guys that are already established and only there for a part-time paycheck. That sucks, and that's never going to get anybody invested in these guys again. No. So then you have the problems of today. Yeah. Like Drew McIntyre is a huge. I mean, I, I think of, of the guys they have. Drew McIntyre could be one of the biggest stars on the card, and I think he probably will be. But how long is it until? Brock Lesnar comes back after his vacation. Yeah. Takes him down. Or how long is it until Goldberg beats McIntyre? You know? So, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Well, I I, I am interested in... I am interested in the Undertaker-AJ match just because I think it's a pre-taped thing and they're doing something weird with it. Yeah, phone so, yard or whatever. Yeah, whatever. it could be a goofy gimmick. It could be interesting in some way, but Becky like yeah. Shayna Baszler might not be bad. Yeah, I, I think that that might actually be the the main event for Saturday. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Honestly, yeah. Charlotte Rhea, Rhea Ripley might not be bad. It's like the women's matches are the ones at the top that I would want to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think that one, the Rhea Ripley Charlotte match, is actually going to be one of the best wrestled matches. Mm-hmm. And I, know, I can't. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I just can't think of anybody that has a good pair-up other than Drew and Brock. Yeah. The, of, like, people that can work well together. Uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins would be a good match, but... Yeah. Not invested in it, really. Yeah, that was... I don't know. I, just, I, think, I, I don't... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think they should have just been the whole thing and then just make SummerSlam an absolute blowout. They yeah. could have had – that's a golden opportunity for them to even raise that pay-per-view as well to an even higher status. Just say, you know what, WrestleMania, eh, it ain't happening this year. Just like everything else in the world, we're going to SummerSlam and we're going all in on that. Yep. That's the thing. It's And, and on, on top of all of it, it's, it's this empty arena. It just feels so much like practice. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is what they're doing when they're in practice. This is not something that you're, I mean, it's, I, I felt the same way about the, when they announced that they were going to potentially do the NCAA tournament in front of no crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, no it's going to care. No, I mean, it's just that the players draw off that emotion in the arena. When mm-hmm. you're watching it on television, you get more into it when you can, when the crowd is into it and, and you're, you're pulled a certain way, but you might not even have any skin in the game on what team you want to win, but you can get more into a good game when you got the crowd reaction paired with it. Absolutely. Watching that on TV, that's like going to the park and just watching a few guys play three on three shirts and skins. <laughs> like there's just no difference there. Yeah, from 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 like a production standpoint, uh, like with basketball, you need the crowd because the uh, the game is unpredictable. So you need them to live react. Uh, if you're watching regular television, people will throw in a music bed to kind of cue you to how you're supposed to feel. So I'm think I I, I always. I've been wondering these past couple of weeks if they're going to use any kind of music cues or anything to cover up this dead silence to help you along. Cause I felt, I feel like that's the production angle they should go with because they know how the match is going to go. Yeah. So they can throw in maybe some sort of music bed or something. I don't know. It, it was just something I thought about. But they could just use Machine Gun Kelly and our, you know, uh, Flow Rider. Oh God, I definitely won't be watching that. <laughs> no, I, I off. <laughs> I agree with you. I think there there has to be something. But like you look at AEW's first empty arena, they actually put some of the wrestlers at ringside. There was some some noise. These guys were mm-hmm. just carrying on and making it so it wasn't like it was just complete dead air. They got in trouble for that hmm. by the state of Florida, mm-hmm. apparently, because when you get they had all those guys in, in, a, in a in a confined area, you get your announcers in there, you get the people in the ring, and then you get your production crew. All of a sudden, you're over your ten people in a in a gathering place mm-hmm. right now. So they they had even to pull that back on that last huge. week. <laughs> What's that? I said even if that place is huge. Yeah, but that's the thing that I think it's it, it's in one room and. You, you, yes, they're all spread out. They weren't on top of one another, but you, you, it's a, it's a different world right now, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not going to give these guys shit because they have to do it in an empty arena. That's just the world we're in right now. Right. It, but it's just if that product was good in front of an audience, and then they could translate it over to an empty arena, I think I'd be into it more. But the product in front of the crowd has been so brutal, and 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 so hard to watch. You take the fans out of it, oh, God, it just <laughs> drags it right down to the very bottom of television right now. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, I guess we'll see, and uh, I'm sure we'll all have our comments next week as, you know, uh, WrestleMania is wrapped up and we've been able to watch it for four days. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's going to feel like. Yeah. Uh, for the end of the episode, though, I wanted to do something different since we can't do the podium. I wanted to try something a little different, though, to kind of maybe rank our beers in some way. Is there any beer that somebody was drinking tonight that you would want to trade for from what you were drinking? No. Okay. I will trade you my Halakahiki (laughs) for one of the morning feels. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, is there another, Is was somebody drinking something tonight that you're more interested in than what you were drinking? Well, that's, yeah, I've, I've had Halakahiki a million times. I've never had Morning Fields, so I would absolutely make that trade. Right on. I'm yeah. going to stick with my Paddler. 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that's that a no was doubter. You, you're not getting my single hop centennial. That beer was <laughs> you know what? fire, I, man. I'm not even going to start that fight. I'm okay with that. Well, I knew you weren't going to jump in on that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Adam was going to trade for either tea or IPA. So. Yeah, <laughs> in other news, water is wet. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to find us on social media, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA. Now to get your Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to brand new episodes of the Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA on your favorite podcatcher. And now YouTube, as we continue to do these videos, and we'll have some video element up for you. But uh, if you're on any of those platforms, leave a five-star review because... We are a six-star show, but they only let us gather in groups of five. And that's a bigger crime than Goldberg beating <laughs> Bray Wyatt. <laughs> I commend you guys on keeping the weekly streak going. Thank you. COVID nineteen. We we would it's like been to a thank struggle, you for I'll admit. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Find me so, at Jason Sircone, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Phasing out the breaking bruise social media because I just I can't keep up with all of it, so I decided just to do my name. Right on. The sign of a true professional. I didn't have to prompt them to plug. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've I've been on this rodeo a few times, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thanks again for coming on. Sure, um, anytime. And yeah. again, I can easily come on sometime and not talk wrestling. We can totally do that if you guys are into it. Sure. All right. <laughs> we'll but we talk might just have sometime. you back next week to review WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing but time right now, brother. I know, right? <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. You got it, guys. Thanks for everybody doing uh, what they're doing. Everybody, again, stay home, stay safe. Keep your hands clean. I saw, I saw motherfuckers Do all the hands. things you should have been doing anyway before this started. <laughs> Wash your damn hands. Don't I spit saw, on people. I saw a motherfucker's hand shaking in the grocery store. I can't right? have that. Right. There's going to have to be a video element to this just so everybody can see these things you've been posting. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. This is the tease. You know, we laugh at these things, but you got to go on YouTube watch the video version now. <laughs> All, All right, right, I think that's enough for tonight. Yes, that's enough. enough. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thank you, Hop Nation. We'll see y'all, all y'all later. See you next week. Bye. Bye.